Dreamsofamedia.com presents... When will I learn? The answer to life's problems aren't at the bottom of a bottle. <laughs> They're on Noiseland Arcade. With Craig WK. He's just a little shy because I've tried to kill him so many times. And Sean, the arcade phantom. An underachiever. And yet he seems to be... How should I put this? Proud of it? They're violent and they distract you from your schoolwork. Well, time to hit the books. Greg WK, and with me, my co-host is Sean the Arcade Phantom. How's it going, Craig? I'm doing great, Sean. We're in a in the heyday of the Simpsons. These are some solid episodes we're doing. Yeah, I don't think there's a bad episode in season four. I'll be honest. Yeah, there's really not. So today we are covering Marge gets a job. When did this uh, episode first air, Sean? Yeah, so I kind of brought it up in the last episode, but this is a weird week for the Simpsons. Right, it, right. Itchy and Scratchy the movie aired on Tuesday, November third. This episode aired on Thursday, November 5th. So we got two great Simpsons episodes in one week. Yeah, that's crazy. That's amazing. That's the best time period to be alive. It really is. So uh, in this episode, in order to repair the foundation of their home, Marge gets a job at the power plant with Homer, but finds herself being favored by an amorous Mr. Burns. Ooh la la. (laughs) Ooh la la is not exactly the phrase I would use. Sean, what's going on in the world right now? So... You like to depress us, right? I generally do. You're probably going to depress us this week. Ah, uh, that remains to be seen. Ooh, I'm excited about that, but I'm not going to depress us. Oh yeah, because I'm sticking to movies right now because there are some amazing things happening in movies. Mm-hmm. So November. Yeah. I just want to talk about this month in general. I'm going to read you, just go through this movies that came out this month. Okay. Passenger Fifty Seven came out. Oh, uh, Last Action Podcast just covered that. That's amazing. I did not know they did yeah, that. Yeah, it just came out, uh, I think, the uh, the past week as of this recording. So, uh, yeah, uh, uh, if you're interested in action movies, go check that one out. So that's on November 6th, right after this episode. So the week after that, we have Aladdin and Bram Stoker's Dracula. Ooh. The week after that, we have Malcolm X. Oh, crazy. And then the week after that, we have um, Bad Lieutenant. And um, that movie with that guy who wants to bang his daughter. Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. Ah, uh, yes, of course. Macaulay Culkin! Uh, wait, no, he didn't have a kid. Yeah, yeah, that, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, November's amazing for movies. I was trying to pin down some things and talk about them, but what a lineup for a month. There were so many classics in that month, it's not even funny. Yeah, that is that is a solid lineup of movies. I... Uh, so, I uh, actually I think Passenger, which is that's the uh, the one with uh, uh, Wesley Snipes. Yeah, Wesley Snipes. I I don't think that one is up yet as of re- this recording. I think it's coming out soon. Oh, nice. They they let me know that that was one that was uh, in the works. Well, so. shout out to the guys on Last Action Podcast and always bet on black. <laughs> Indeed, I believe that's a quote that they're probably pretty excited about. That's such a good quote. Uh, but I. Uh, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that as of this episode going up, we will likely have that episode uh, uh, airing. If, and if not, if it's not already released, it'll release soon. Anywho, so uh, 
I have some news for you. Yeah, shoot at us. Depress us. Not that depressing. Kind of more weird than anything else. And in an unofficial rematch, Bobby Fischer once again defeats Boris Spassky, whom he defeated in 1972 to become the world champ at chess. Ah, Bobby Fischer. Yeah. They made a move about him. We the, were searching for him. Yeah, so th- therein lies a little bit of the weirdness. So the first set of games uh, took place on Sveti Stefan Island, uh, which is off the coast of Montenegro. Uh, the next big set of games would take place in Belgrade, capital of Serbia. And therein lies the issue. This was during the breakup of Yugoslavia, and America warned Fisher he would be violating a U.S. sanction on U.S. Uh, or a U.S. sanction on Yugoslavia, but he went ahead and did it anyway. So a warrant was placed for his arrest. Uh, years later, he was captured in Tokyo, Japan, for an expired American passport that you know he couldn't use, and uh, he was thrown in jail uh, until Iceland uh, made him some kind of deal, and he lived there until his death in 2008. What a weird time period that you had to physically go to play chess somewhere. Yeah. The internet's amazing. I mean, you know, I, I think that there there are still chess tournaments where they meet in person and stuff. Uh, I think that's a part of the, the you know, the, the fanfare and the Yeah, the fun, ecosphere but, for it. But, uh, uh, yeah, so you have, you know... Uh, this weird rematch going on, which good on Bobby Fischer for winning again, but like it's kind of weird he traded his U.S. nationality for it. Essentially, that's super weird. <sighs> yes, it is. So let's dive on in. So off the bat, we have Marge going through the mail, and they have a free sample of lemon time. Ooh, lemon time! Homer <laughs> starts drinking it. And Marge is like, Homer, that's ditch soap. And he's like, yeah, but what are you going to do? And uh, uh, as they, they, they glance out the window, they see uh, Flanders. Uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, they're, they're invited to a retirement party That's first. right. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and so uh, Homer wishes he could retire. And he just imagines himself on the couch just like he's doing right there. So that's kind of my dream for retirement. Pretty much, yeah. Wake up, play video games. Not do anything else. Yeah, it'd be pretty great. Uh, Flanders from outside uh, says that it, this is perfect pipe weather, so he thought he'd fire up the briar. And Homer yells out that he's, you know, can't talk, busy. And Flanders walks off. Flanders but, smokes a pipe? Yeah, that's kind of weird, right? Yeah. I, I guess if it's an occasional thing, I don't, I don't know. I mean, there's no religious laws against it, I guess. No, it's just kind of weird. It doesn't seem like something Flanders would do. Yeah. Uh, but he's on a weird angle, and Marge is like... Uh, hey, actually, no, I take that back. So Flanders, according to Simpsons fan fiction, would be 60 years old in The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. So that means he was born in, what, this is 92, so 32? So he would have been 18 in the 50s. Smoking would have been common. I suppose. I don't know that Flanders is really that old. That's what they say. Yeah, fan fiction. <laughs> um, but uh, so, you know, Flanders is on this weird angle and Marge is like, did you notice how slanted he looked? And Homer, I don't really understand the line, but it's kind of funny. He goes, all part of God's great plan. And I can only assume that's his way of blowing Marge off. Oh, yeah. Uh, but uh, meanwhile, we see the the fan 
Uh, but it doesn't have any casing on it. It's just the blade spinning, and Maggie is sliding softly into it, and she's trying to save herself, and then Homer grabs and then her. And she dies a night. horrible death. And What? Did we watch a different episode? Yeah, I think you're watching Dark Simpsons again, Sean. Nobody's done that yet. I'm surprised. Oh, yeah. Uh, that seems like a no-brainer. Yeah, right. <sighs> so... We find that the house is sinking, and outside uh, you have Nelson, one of his goons, which soon enough we won't have the goons at all showing up. Yeah, they're about to disappear. Yeah, and uh, we have Janie uh, in the front yard as well, and uh, as the, the the house is slanting and like frisbees and stuff are falling off the roof, we have a Santa fallen shatter, and uh, we have Nelson drop one of his, uh, you know, iconic <laughs> lines. So Homer gets the half-assed approach to foundation repair, a VHS uh, that I love the setup. It's a chair in the basement that is a wooden plank on the front two legs of the chair to make sure it stands upright. Yeah. And then has the you know TV and like a VCR and stuff hooked up. And uh, the host of it is Troy McClure. This is one of my favorite Troy McClure gags. I love the half-assed approach to foundation repair. <laughs> Which you might remember him from uh, mothballing your battleship and dig your own grave and save. And so uh, he begins to start going through. And yeah, now over the next six hours, I'll be taking you through the do's and do nots of foundation repair. Ready? Ready. First, patch the cracks in the slab using the latex patching combine on a patching trowel. Hand me my patching trowel, boy. And Bart just shrugs at him. Now, do you have extruded polyvinyl and foam insulation? Uh, no. Good. <laughs> Assemble the aluminum J-channel using self-furring screws. Wait a minute. After applying brushable coating to the panels... Hold on. You'll need a corrosive-resistant metal stucco lath. But I don't have a... If you can't find a metal stucco lath... Uh-huh. Use carbon fiber stucco lath. Oh! Now parge the lath. <laughs> It's so great. I just love that Homer doesn't pause the video. He keeps it going. It's just like, what? No. So Homer calls up Surly Joe's foundation repair. And I love that, uh, you know, those little, uh, uh, you know, thing, uh, leveler things. Yeah, uh, a level. Yeah, level. Uh, to, you know, you follow the bubble to make sure it goes in the middle. And like when the guy puts it on the, the wall or whatever in the basement, it goes sliding down and falls and breaks. And he's like, did you see the bubble? So animation detail that I absolutely love in this scene. Mm -hmm. Surly Joe's shirt is tucked in to his pants. Uh -huh. But it's coming undone in the back. Next time you watch the scene, look at it. And it's coming up done as he's on the ladder. Oh, interesting. As somebody who tucks on their shirt a lot when they're working. That happens all the time, and I love that little detail. That's pretty great. Uh, so here's something interesting, too. Uh, we find out that is the west side of the house that is sinking, which means that when you're looking at the Simpson house from the front, straight ahead is north. Yep. I don't know that, that that's very important right now, but I feel like inevitably as we dissect the Simpsons, it is going to be imperative that we know what direction it is. We will bring that up. In Whacking Day. Will we? Yes. I guarantee we will bring it up in Whacking Day. Just remember which way is the, facing north. Oh, the sunset. Yep. Oh. Oh. Yeah, that'll be fun to think about. Uh, and so, uh, he's going to charge Homer about $8,500. 
Homer's like, forget this. He's like, you're not the only foundation guy in town. And we find out through the yellow pages that he is indeed, which yellow pages aren't a thing anymore. But I feel like we've covered that a few times in the show, right? We've covered that a few times. Yeah. Oh, uh, by the way, the average for uh, foundation repair is around $4,200, but it can go as high as ten k. It's typically about 59 foot, uh, feet a square foot, right? Oh, I'm not sure the exact details. I just got some average prices. I wasn't paying too much attention, to be honest. Uh, but uh, we have a Kent Brockman report where he's cut in the middle and he's like leaving the vice president in charge. And we see an explosion at the White House and he's like, you know, leaning Tower of Pisa, move over. He's like, this is one story that's not on the level. Oh, also, uh, it would have been Dan Quayle taking over. Yeah, I'm sure America would have been in great hands, right? Dan Quayle would have only taken over for what? Until January? Yeah, only a few months, but think of how horrible those few months would have been. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, uh, I, uh, Bart is in the front yard and he's like, Behold the horrors of the slanty shanty. See the twisted creatures that dwell within. Meet Cuball, the man with no hair. And some woman is like, He's hideous. Homer's not feeling that though, and he then uh, proceeds to, you know, Hop onto a, a couch and slide all the way down, knock over a lamp, and Marge tells him that, you know, maybe she could get a job. Yeah, it's going to cost $8,500 to fix this house. They only have 500 in the bank, and how much is that going to leave? Uh, $8,000. <laughs> so, uh, so Homer, uh, uh, you know, hears that Marge is willing to get a job, and... You know, he, he says that he's going to be able to live out his own dream, if she does that, of living in the woods and keeping a journal of his thoughts. And I like that it cuts to, like, you know, I mean, not only is this one another one of Homer's, you know, like, lifelong dream moments, though it's not the same exact formula of joke. No, it's a little different of a joke. But Homer just misses TV, and that's all March he writes 5th, about. I wish I brought a TV. Oh, God, how I miss TV. Oh, also, this is clearly a reference to Henry David Thoreau's Walden, which is a book about him being out in the wild, like living in the woods and being self-sustaining and blah, 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 blah. That sounds horrible. Kind of. I mean, to a degree, you kind of get the, the whole not being around people thing, right? Like, right? No, fuck that. I'm blending to a crowd. I'm Assassin's Creed in it. I would rather go where there's tons of people. I would rather blend into be a faceless blob in New York City than hide off in the woods. Oh, well, not ever talking to people again. It's just something to think about. Uh, <clears throat> anywho, uh, but Marge tells Homer that he's going to have to, you know, keep his job. So they go to that retirement party that you had mentioned earlier. Yeah. The, they, the restaurant they go to is the Spruce Caboose, which is a reference to the Hughes H4 Hercules, the Spruce Goose, which will be referenced later in, yeah, in uh, Springfield, uh, with, in the Springfield with the dollar sign. Yeah. Uh, it was a plane which was uh, to be built for World War II, but never completed beyond the one like kind of test model they had. Uh, and that was even after the war. It was a giant plane. Uh but uh, the, to reference that, the uh, conductor guy who's like, you know, the the kind of the, what would he be, the host or whatever of the restaurant? The, the yeah, guy the, who greets the you at the door? D, um, yeah, I suppose. It'd be 
I mean, he wouldn't be a hostess or a host at the restaurant that's fancy like that. I mean, I suppose not, but he seems to be because he yeah. just has someone guiding. But it's also maybe part museum or yeah, something. I, I would assume so because that guy's the guide. Yeah. The, when he's the headless uh, brakeman. <laughs> yeah. But I love that he's like, they said that the, the train was too big to stay on the tracks. <laughs> they were right. And then there's a picture of it being on the tracks and then it start, like starting <laughs> up and then immediately is like crashed. I... So Burns starts talking about how Jack Marley has given 45 years of service. And I love that Homer in the disc, their background is just like boring. And Burns is just getting annoyed with him. I'm going to make myself super old real quick. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Homer saying boring. Mm-hmm. That was my AOL instant messenger noise. <laughs> when we were in high school, that was my instant messenger noise. <laughs> oh, instant messenger. Oh, boy. Yeah, that those are fun days. I miss AOL Instant Messenger. You know, I would if you told me it was back, I wouldn't bother with it. But there was a certain. But I do miss it. There was a certain charm about putting stupid away messages on there. Oh, it was so great, having a million different uh, uh, screen names and stuff. Oh, so good. So, uh, Murder Balls 03. Epion Wing Zero Sixty Nine. Oh, God, I hate myself. So, uh, also, there's a weird animation uh, thing where uh, you, you see that Homer and Marge are sitting there. I think Homer's on the right. Uh, at one point, it, like, you see them in the distance while uh, Burns is talking with, like, Marley or whatever. And uh, they've changed places. And Homer's, even though he's still wearing a tie, they've lost their uh, uh, fancy outfits. Yeah. Yeah, kind of weird. Kind of weird. Uh, but uh, we then get a musical tribute that Smithers gives, not to Jack Marley, who's retiring, but Mr. Burns. And yeah. Sean, you you recently informed me what this is a reference to. Yeah, so this is a reference to the party scene in Citizen Kane. Usually when they want to reference how old Mr. Burns is and how powerful he is, they reference Charles Foster Kane, thus Charles Montgomery Burns. Mm-hmm. And so this is the song and dance number they give to him, basically, almost word for word. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. It, it is almost identical. Uh, and so we also see that Carl's uh, at this party, but we don't see Lenny or Charlie at this party. Which we'll see them later in the episode. So that's, that's kind of weird. Yeah. Uh, but Jack Marley doesn't want to retire. He's like, I never married her. My dog is dead. And they start playing for He's a Jolly Good Fellow. And he's like, I'm not finished. And Burns is like, oh, oh yes, yes, you, you are. are. <laughs> Crusher and Loblo come out, throw him outside. And Burns then lets everyone know that there's an open or an entry-level position opening in Sector 7G, Homer's uh, sector, and to get out because the bar is closed. Marge says that she'll try that for a job. And Homer's like, well, you know what the Bible says. Thou shalt not horn in on thy husband's racket. Where does the Bible say racket? It's in there. And he's like, we just don't need the money that bad. And as soon as they walk in, I love that a hummingbird softly lands <laughs> on the, the chimney and it immediately tanks the house and so, so Bart Homer, goes Homer's out. the only one who walks in because Marge witnesses Bart fly out the window. Oh right. Also what's weird to me is what was Bart doing in his parents' bedroom? Yeah, that's his parents' bedroom that he yeah. flew out of. 
I can only imagine that either he rolled from the hallway <laughs> and then out the house or out the window for, through his parents' uh, window, or maybe he was using their bathroom because Lisa was using the other. Or I something. can see that. Yeah. I can definitely see that. Yeah, I can. I can certainly see that. Or, or he's going through his parents' stuff for mischief. Yeah, that could be too. Now's the chance to be bad. <laughs> so, I uh, Lisa, or I'm sorry, Marge initially is on a typewriter. And uh, which we've talked about typewriters before being dated, but you loving them. Yeah, they save your progress in Resident Evil. They're great. <laughs> and Marge's resume is Homemaker, 1980 to present. Aw. But Lisa's going to jazz it up. Uh, do you have that list or do you want me to lay it on you? So she's a chauffeur, uh-huh. seamstress, curator of large mammals. I don't understand. And Homer comes in and he's like, where's my lunchbox, Marge? And he's like in his underwear. And Marge is like, oh, I see. So there's more information that's not listed there. She worked for the Carter administration. (laughs) Wait, she only voted for him. Or no, and she says, uh, uh, Lisa, I didn't work for the Carter administration or something like that. Well, you voted for him twice. Someone might be listening. Which we've—I believe you were the one who told me this. One of the writers really disliked Jimmy Carter, right? Yeah, so they would make constant jokes about it. I don't remember which one it is. I mean, Jimmy Carter didn't seem like he was that bad of a president, but before I, we knew how bad presidents. Uh, yeah, that's very true. Uh, she also <laughs> took credits for a Muddy Waters song. Oh yes, yeah, so <laughs> it's it the the uh, uh, the the job uh, uh, interview. And Smithers is interviewing Marge, and he's like, I thought Muddy Waters wrote that song, and Muddy Waters was a post-World War II blues singer. Smithers uh, also has the picture of Burns and Elvis in the background. Yeah, he does. I was going to point that out. I love that scene. Oh, it's great, because it, uh, Burns specifically gave that to him in Burns' Verkaufender Kraftwerk. Yep. And uh, he still has he, it. Smithers loved how good he was to his mother. <laughs> but yeah, but he couldn't understand a word he was saying. <laughs> so Smithers then says Abibu Gazini. Which did we reference that that is a reference to Richard Nixon in that episode? I think we did. Okay. I think we made notice of that. Because Elvis met Richard Nixon and gave him a handgun. <laughs> of course he did. Uh, but yeah, so Smithers says Abibu Gazini, and when Marge is like, "Excuse me," he's like, uh, "It's welcome aboard in Swahili," and he's like, "I must, you know, I must be rusty," and indeed he is, because according to Google Translate, uh, "Welcome aboard in Swahili" is Karibu Ndani. Nani? <laughs> indeed, I. Uh, and my favorite part of this scene is the fact that Smithers tells everyone else to go home. And we see Jack Marley, who got thrown out and wanted the job. And he's like, oh, oh dear. I. Uh, so Homer isn't really feeling the whole seeing Marge every day thing. And he's like, yeah, we're going to see each other every day. And, that, and that's good as Marge glares at him and he's like uh, excuse me and he grabs a newspaper and he mentions oh Canada to hold referendum which I found out something yeah shoot so referendums apparently don't happen very often in Canada and indeed uh, there was one building up to happen on October 26 1992 and this episode would have been written of course before right before that you know before then uh, it was called the Charlottetown uh, Accord and uh, it was voted down but uh, it Honestly, a lot of it seemed kind of boring, but one of the things that I thought was interesting was Canada had been considering giving the Aboriginal people of Canada their own government, essentially. They would have been like a third 
level of government. Huh. And the Canadian people, of course, were giant a-holes and like, nope, don't care about them. And uh, yeah, so. That uh, is pretty boring. Yeah, it was, it was, God, even, that was the most interesting thing. That's as boring as Marge's life. <laughs> well, funny you mention that. Uh, Jehovah's Witnesses came, and uh, she she was so starved for attention, essentially. She wouldn't let them leave, and they escaped while she went to get lemonade. Did you ever have Jehovah's Witnesses come to your door? I actually did. I, uh, I Weirdly enough, I had uh, many a, a pleasant conversation with the Jehovah's Witnesses that came to my door. Really? Yeah, I I wouldn't say I was like BFF with them, but uh, it was this two little old ladies, and you know, I was raised to be polite, and so I couldn't just slam the door in their face, and so uh, they they we had conversations back and forth, and it was funny because like they were always so nice to me, but I didn't realize they had an agenda until uh, there was a time when they were like. Because they would ask me, like, what do you believe? And I'd say evolution and stuff like that, you know. And they were like, Craig, we got you this book. We want you to borrow it. And I was like, wow, that's really nice of you. And they were like, oh, it's just a little something. And it was this book on evolution. And I was like, oh, that's nice. And I went in, read the first chapter, and it was like, do you really think evolution is real? Here are the reasons why, God, it like it really made the world. And it was like, are you serious? And the next week when I gave it back to him, and they were like, how did you like it, Craig? I was like, I felt like it was biased. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, oh, that's a shame. And it was like, yeah, that's a shame. Funny, I got one about dinosaur bones, actually. <laughs> the devil buried, the devil buried test dinosaur our, bones to faith. test our faith, yeah. <laughs> Oh man, I uh, I'm yeah. I, I, I was usually really polite to them. Oh sure, I I mean you know, you telemarketers, know. telemarketers are an uh, asshole yeah. too. Oh sure, because they weren't face to face. I mean it's it's hard to be an asshole to like little old ladies who are coming to your door. Yeah, it's little suburbanite old ladies like you can't be like oh get the hell out of here like slam your door. It's just like oh hi how are you you know you gotta be nice. Suck a dick you old lemon. <laughs> oh dear. Oh heavens. Oh I've been offended. But anyway, uh, as soon as Marge tells over the story, he's like, yeah, lemonade is good. Lemonade? Please. I made it just for you. (laughs) You are my best friend. Well, we need to focus. So, uh, you know, Lisa's excited, though, because uh, uh, Marge and Homer working together reminds her of Pierre and Marie uh, Curry, who discovered radium. And then died of radiation poisoning. And Bart imagines this little scene of essentially Godzilla. This almost made my favorite quote of the episode, if there isn't one thing that I liked more. (laughs) So Bart has this Godzilla-esque vision of the two of them with radiation laser eyes shooting up the city. They're gigantic. And we get almost a bad English dub on it. The (laughs) lip flaps do not match the voices. It is the Curies. We must flee. (laughs) Flee. Cool. <laughs> yeah, Bart's kind of excited. It is very clearly an homage to Godzilla. Hi. Uh, and so on the first day with Bart working, they get to drive together, which is kind of nice. And uh, we have uh, Homer who's like, you know, if anything goes wrong, blame the guy that can't speak English. Ah, Tibor, how many times have you saved my butt? So I'm going to mm-hmm. get into fan fiction because I've been diving into fan fiction on Disney Plus recently. I've been using a random Simpsons app to pick episodes, mm-hmm. and I've been going through just jumping on stuff. I watched an episode from season 28 recently. Oh, boy. And Tibor was in the episode. I appreciate that. And Homer's upset because Tibor got promoted again, and he's got a nice corner office. Ah, Tibor. 
Always outshining Homer, even though he can't speak English. And he still can't speak English in season 24. <laughs> he like speaks like very broken English, and the sentence doesn't make any sense. And that was the one laugh I got out of the episode. I appreciate that T-Board's in it. But, but I still would subscribe to Disney Plus for Simpsons any days. Disney, support our show. Disney's not going to support our show. You've got to tell them every week, Craig. I'm going to tell them every week until they send us a check. I don't even care if it's a penny. Come on, Disney. If we, I, I would be pretty excited about a we're Disney gonna, penny. We're gonna get a fucking cease and desist from Disney. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's really good. Yeah, happen. that's actually what's gonna happen. Uh, but while Marge is going to work, Grandpa is taking care of Maggie, and uh, he walks in and he's like, "Maggie, your babysitter's here." And he's like, "Oh, you look like you're. What does he say? Something effective like you're. You're. You must be sick. Let's see." Uh, yes, he grabs out Doctor Washburn's guide to infantile distress. Uh, and he goes through some conditions. Dropsy, the grip, scofula, the vapors, jungle rot, dandy fever, poor man's gout, housemaid's knee, climatic poopaw, the staggers, dum-dum fever. What a bunch of bullshit diseases. Well, what? They're maybe all real. So uh, I didn't look through all of them uh, because I just don't have that kind of time. But at least things like Dum Dum Fever is actually Black Fever. Uh, let's see. Uh, dropsy was something. Housemaid's Knee was something. These all seem to be old-timey expressions for real conditions. So I'm so not going to... Google it, everybody. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to go through and... Exp like, you know, this isn't a medical podcast. This is a Simpsons podcast, so just Google them if you're interested. But uh, uh, as Marge goes in uh, to work, we have uh, uh, Smithers getting into her office, and he I think he has to use a credit card, right? Yep, he has to use a credit card to pick the lock because that idiot Tibor lost the key. <laughs> So somebody blamed him. I'm presuming Homer. Probably Homer. And uh, Marge is like looking at this machine she's at, and she's like, what am I supposed to do? And Smithers is like, oh, come on, Marge. He's like, you invented this machine, according to your resume. And he walks off. And then she hits the fire button? Yeah, she lights a fire up. So you want to know what I think is the most interesting thing about this scene? Did you see who got lit on fire? No. I can't tell who one of them are. It's just a random person as far as I know. But the other one, you know the the safety commission who comes to deal with Burns every so often? The black one? Yeah. He was one of them. Oh, snap. And he's going to pop up again in this episode. But not as one of his, like, not as his regular character. We've been on this story for too long. This doesn't have a B story, does it? I uh, well, it's funny you mentioned that. <laughs> so... As Bart is is about to take a test at school, he immediately starts faking sick. And Grandpa, uh, oh no, I'm sorry. Uh, before Grandpa even like takes him home or whatever uh, to take care of him, I uh, uh, oh sick on test day. Why? Why? Kerbopple's <laughs> like, have you ever read The Boy Who Cried Wolf? And he's like, I'm halfway through it. I swear. And then he gets up holding his stomach and he's like, oh, I. And so I uh, over at the plant before Bart is at home being taken care of, uh, we have Homer who's like, Marge, what are you doing? You're working still. It's lunchtime. And she's like, oh, I just got to finish up this paperwork. And Homer just grabs it. And he's like, I think we should file this under R for Rivederci, which 
is supposed to be Arrivederci, which I believe starts with an A. Yeah, Homer doesn't know how to spell words that start with R. We've learned in the last episode. Okay, that's true. But Writing I will say... Writing the TV guide. <laughs> but I will say, it at least is in another language. Uh, and he puts it in the tube and it goes flying through the plant and it ends up getting popped out to a bunch of beavers outside the plant. Yeah, the pneumatic tube goes out to the... Beaver Dam? Beaver Dam, the river? Springfield River. It's got to be because that's yeah, where yeah. Blinky is. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. And uh, that's technically only one of two references to beavers we get in this episode. The next one is kind of culturally insensitive. Yeah. So back at home, though, uh, Bart is de- you know dealing with Grandpa's remedies, and he's like, "I found a pharmacy that carries leeches. Only it wasn't really a remedy or a pharmacy, more a bait shop." And uh, Bart tries to convince him he's better, and he's like, "Oral thermometer, my eye. Think warm thoughts, boy, because this is mighty cold." And he sticks a thermometer up Bart's butt. I'm very sure that's what that is, right? Yeah, it's a rectal thermometer. Yeah. Ugh. So it cuts into Burns's office, and uh, we see this uh, cue happen a couple times throughout the series. I think this is the first time, though. They play the Imperial March by John Williams for Star Wars. Yeah, so the Imperial March first appeared in um, The Empire Strikes Back in mm-hmm. 1980. Yep. And Fox technically owned the licensing rights to the Star Wars movies back then. So they had rights to do whatever they wanted with the Star Wars m- music. And then Fox, you know, lost that right to Disney. And then Disney acquired The Simpsons by acquiring Fox. So, I mean, it all works out in the end. Disney is the supreme overlord who owns it all. And we love you, Disney. I'm going to be a shell for Disney for years. (laughs) So, Burns goes through the monitors. And he uh, describes uh, uh, one group as Jack and Apes, who are playing Limbo. The Lollygaggers are playing chess. Oh, hey, a chess reference. Yeah. Yeah, go figure. And Noodleheads are having a cockfight, which is where we see that inspector, the black uh, uh, guy from the safety commission, in the background, betting on the cockfight. And and then when he gets to the next monitor, he stops and says, Enchantress. And Burns falls in love at first sight with Marge. Then he tells Smithers to zoom the camera in, and it knocks her in the head, and it's kind of a goofy And he tells Smithers that his heart is pounding like a jackhammer. It's a shriveled up black heart. It's just like, and that's it. <laughs> uh, so Marge has been targeted by Burns. And so presumably later or maybe the next day, Marge gets the gift of orchids and fragrant bath oils that Burns gives all of his new employees. And, you know, Marge is pretty excited about, you know, this nice gift, but she's wondering why... Morale's a little lower, and Burns doesn't really care. We see a line above people. Uh, one guy is crying. A lady is taking shots. Another guy wants to take shots. And uh, uh, Marge explains that, you know, maybe some healthy snacks and theme days. You know. Like child labor day? Less like that and more funny hat day. Oh, and they should pipe in Tom Jones. And then suddenly the crying guy uh, is now crying in a sombrero. The drinking lady now has moose antlers. And the crazy guy has a beanie with a propeller on it. Oh, and Burns has a Viking helmet. Yeah, Burns has a Viking helmet. I like that. And, you know, Burns is excited that it's working. Kind of, sort of, not really. Uh, 
I love that in the next scene we have, uh, uh, this is... It isn't necessarily my favorite quote, but might be my favorite scene of the episode. We have Homer in seemingly Bart's lucky red hat. Yeah. And uh, the guy who's, you know, the angel of death dude who is the beanie <laughs> uh, uh, propeller. He's there along with Lenny, who is a fez. And uh, he's Homer's like, you can't take our donuts There's away. There's also a guy in the background who's got a Statue of Liberty hat and a torch. Yeah, what? but it's silly hat day, not... Day. Yeah, I thought that was kind of weird, too. And when they go to get the donuts back from the donut guy, Lenny jumps in just to have the donut guy hit him with a chain across the room. And as Lenny goes flying and everyone stops, he's just like, all right, does anyone else want to be a hero? And everyone just kind of backs off, which is funny because this same character model was the guy who uh, uh, Homer first saw yeah, the plant. Yeah, the plant for uh, uh, every color of the rainbow. <laughs> he was so nice, and now he's a monster. <laughs> I love the donut guy. He's one of my favorites. And we don't ever really see him after this, I don't think. Shame. So Marge is getting a promotion with an office near Burns. You know, the office where Smithers was. Where's Smithers going to go? He's going to go where the action is. And we see Smithers is in the men's room. Springtime fresh, winter white. (laughs) Oh, I really got to (laughs) go. No. Uh, Back at school, Bart is better, maybe? He does like a weird wall jump, like Mario. Like yeah, he does like a backflip off the wall. <laughs> this is Mario sixty four. What the hell? And Kerbopple's like, "All right, time for a makeup test." <laughs> oh my ovaries! And yeah, Kerbopple's not really happy about that. But uh, as as Bart's like cackling that he got out of school and Grandpa's dry, you know, driving, uh, uh, you know, them home. Uh, he's like. Bart, have you ever read The Boy Who Cries Wolf? And Bart's like, yeah, Boy Who Cries Wolf, has a few laughs. I forget how it ends. That is such a great Bart quote. It's solid. Uh, Also, uh, Grandpa asks if the light is green. And uh, Bart says yes, when really he probably should have said no, because Grandpa's like, it better be, and he slams on the gas and almost hits some people. Uh, So... This is another scene coming up here that I love because of the lighting. Okay. It's night. It's dark. We see, like, the moon out the window, and the lamp near Homer's bed is illuminating a bit. So you see that the light streaming out of that lamp is a little brighter, but everything outside of the light is is a little dimmer. dimmer. And I, I love the animation there. I love when Homer and Marge are talking in bed. Those are some fun moments, and they they tend to be a little bit more serious. They're usually serious, but Homer usually drops, like, one funny line in every single one they oh, have. Oh, yeah. And so Homer's used to people being, you know, promoted above him. Friends, coworkers, T-Bor, and Marge is a little iffy about that, but Homer gives a really weird racially insensitive phrase he says he works like a japanese beaver that's weird right it is but i don't know if it's racially insensitive i mean it's yeah i I would say so it's It's stereotyping it's stereotyping but he's just you know combining two hard-working people the japanese and beavers yeah i'm not buying it sean you can devil's advocate that one as much as you want. I mean, have you, you ever heard the term Japanese beaver other than this episode? 
No. Yeah, Homer's just combining two things that he knows works really well together. Well together or work well, hard? Work hard in general. <laughs> the Japanese love working with beavers. Uh, anyway, so Marge, you know, contends, though, that twice she caught him sleeping and the third time she came to see him, he was kicking an electrical tape ball around. Homer's not going to stand for this. He doesn't have to be called lazy by his own wife. He's going to go downstairs, get the couch ready and fold out the out nah, of hell with it. And he crawls into bed and goes to sleep. So I. Uh, Burns the next day at work is like lying on the ground on his belly, just daydreaming. And he's like, you know, I had that dream last night. You know, the one where they come in through the window and Smithers imagines the dream and it's Smithers in bed and Burns flying through the window. Those are my dreams every night, except for I'm Smithers and you're Burns. <clears throat> I wish we could have talked about this off the air. You've been reading my wish book, sir. <laughs> so Burns is going to invite Marge out. He wants to uh, uh, get you know somebody who's, who's popular, you know, a really good singer. And he asks Smithers to dig up Al Jolson. Man, they reference Al Jolson a lot. Yeah, they really do. Uh, Smithers, though, says that, you know, uh, you know, it's they remember the last time, sir. Like, you know, he's he's oh, right, he's yeah. dead and rather pungent. <laughs> yes, Burns would care to forget the rest of that night. Uh, also, uh, L. Jolson died in 1950. That's a long time ago, it's only like 42 years before this episode. That's yeah, only, <laughs> only. So, Burns then demands that uh, Smithers bring the crooner Tom Jones. Uh, Tom Jones was born in 1940. Uh, he's been active since 1960 and still performs to this day. Uh, hits like, uh, uh, well, we'll talk about him as we go through the episode, actually. Yes, we will, actually. Uh, so Homer is in the I, lunch. I, I love Tom Jones. I'm not even going to lie. I, oh, yeah. I, I really, really enjoy Tom Jones' music. I uh, really do. One time, I believe that uh, in sort of an evil act, might have procured a tom jones collection of cds somehow yeah you me, did me and a buddy um xander from legend of retro <laughs> uh-huh we procured a bundle of tom jones cds for craig yeah I, I i was told that they were hot yeah they were a four finger discount <laughs> guys are scumbags of all the things to take tom jones i mean really that's just grade a right there <sighs> scumbags or classy mm, I'm gonna go with scumbags so we have uh, uh, you know they're in the lunchroom and uh, they're all in cowboy gear and Lenny comes in and he's like hey sit on it and, and he's dressed like the Fonz from Happy Days which we referenced last episode uh, we did indeed yeah that's right uh, uh, Fonz, the Fonz, you know, the Fonz, Fonzarelli. Fonzarelli. Yeah, he uh, is super popular of a character. Although maybe not as much these days. There's probably not as many references made to him, I would imagine. Uh, but they're like, uh, I think it's Carl is like, 50s day is next Wednesday. And, you know, Lenny's like, I gotta go home and change. And we hear like a motorcycle rev, which is kind of a weird little scene. Uh, so the foundation has now been repaired. This is a great scene. Surly Joe mm -hmm. has done his job. He has. 
And he's not so surly. Yeah, he's, he's kind of a, a nice guy. He's not bad. You know, the problem here is water leakage. You just buy a 50-cent washer. Uh, and Homer is like, you know, I think that, like, what does he say? I've so, got a better idea. Get the hell out. Look, I've got some washers in my truck. I'll just give you one. Marge, get my gun. <laughs> Homer is not having it. And Surly Joe just puts up his hands and runs. Yeah. I just love how nice Surly Joe is being in that scene. It is, yeah, it is really, <laughs> Homer's just being belligerently angry. Get my gun. <laughs> yeah, that's a bit much. So, over in Vegas, uh, we have uh, uh, Tom Jones playing. Did you see what uh, one of the other shows that was playing in Vegas at the time? No. Bobby Gordini and his Gibbons. Ooh. That's not a thing. I looked it up. Unfortunately, there is no Bobby Gordini who has Gibbon monkeys. Gibbon monkeys? Gibbon apes? I want to see that show. Well, that tear his face off. I can tell you that much right now. I... But uh, Smithers is waiting for Tom Jones as he finishes a set in, you know, Vegas. What a nice guy. Yeah. And, yeah, Smithers is a real great guy. And not a super villain's, you know, fl- uh, flunky or henchman. And so we have uh, uh, Smithers is like, you know, like, I'd like to hire you for a private party. And he's like, oh, don't do private parties, love. And he's like... Well, then maybe you should look in this case. And he puts the money aside and pulls out another case. And Tom Jones is like, all right, but I don't think it's going to change my mind. And he opens the case and gas comes out and Tom Jones passes out. And Smithers just smiles and he's like, pleasant dreams, Mr. Jones. Yeah, Smithers is a villain. Yeah, he's pretty evil sometimes. Uh, Back at school. We have uh, Bart, who Krabappelis said has had a case of smallpox, the bends, and rabies. And Bart's like, oh, I don't think that's fully gone. Shut it, wench. And he starts, like, growling and snarling and stuff. <laughs> yeah, super weird. But he gets put out into the hall. Across town, though, we have uh, Krusty filming his show. Krusty the Clown. And uh, there's, a, like, a falcon or a hawk on his head, maybe an eagle. And the the like uh, nature uh, nature lady I don't yeah. even know animal uh, animal lady. trainer or whatever yeah is like you know uh, uh, you know she can crush clams with her talents and Krusty's like get her off get her off and then they bring out an Alaskan timber wolf and uh, the lady warns she's like you know but be careful because you know uh, uh, he's two hundred forty pounds and his jaws can bite through a parking meter. He does get spooked by loud noises. Loud? That's the secret word of the day, which is clearly a Pee-wee's Playhouse reference. I was going to say, that's a Pee-wee's Playhouse reference right there. Oh, yeah. I didn't really watch Pee-wee's Playhouse that often as a kid. Uh, We watched it at our our cousins uh, every so often. Pee-wee's Playhouse is great. I never really got that into it. It holds up so very well. (laughs) It is the kind of thing that if you went to as an adult, you would laugh your ass off at, Craig. I, I might have to. Uh, I I did enjoy the Pee Wee movies. Yes. I, I did enjoy those. Uh, but, like, you know, they all start screaming, and the wolf breaks the chain, runs out of the... Uh, <laughs> the, the animation for the wolf, his eyes dilate, they get, like, <laughs> bloodshot, and he freaks out and starts looking around. And then we have another amazing moment as uh, she's, like, the the like nature host or whatever is like oh my god and crusty starts screaming and she's like you must be uh you're she must think you're after her eggs and he's like i only ate one 
Uh, and then we have uh, uh, the wolf patrolling around Springfield as Wiggum, Eddie, and Lou are like, nice doggy. <laughs> uh, and we once again see the school, and it's got a bell tower in the background. Yeah, it does. And Bart's in the hallway, and he's like, Ivanhoe is the story of a Russian farmer and his tool. When really Ivanhoe is by Sir Walter Scott, written in 1819. It's the story, uh, it's a story of medieval England. It's about a Russian and his uh, tool. Uh, sure. Or it's about a Russian and his tool. Don't ever, ever make that noise again. Oh, and so uh, as Krabappel's <laughs> doing like lo- like division or whatever, and Bart's screaming, wolf, wolf, help. Krabappel's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Bart smashes out the window, and she's like, you're just wasting valuable test time. Poor Bart. He's being mauled by a wolf. Yeah, he had it coming. Yeah, he did. You're not wrong. But, I mean, it's still a bit much to wish a wolf mauling on a child because they fake sick too many yeah. times. <laughs> I just wish a wolf would maul a child any day of the week. What? What? Uh, what? Um. Anyhow. No? Did I say that aloud? Sorry, uh, I thought I was thinking that. No, it's uh, these things happen. So Burns puts on scalp wax, and uh, Marge comes in, and he offers her dinner, dancing, and Mr. Tom Jones. And Smithers isn't a villain. <laughs> he totally is. So as as. Burns hits this button and, and the, the door opens up and Tom Jones is like, you know, like, hi, Marge or whatever. And he's like waving and Smithers is behind him with a pistol. And he's like, that's it. Big smile. Everybody's happy. <laughs> Smithers is such a creep in this episode. <laughs> and I love that uh, when when Burns is done bragging that he's got her Tom Jones, he hits the button again and the, the door slams and knocks Tom Jones <laughs> yeah. in the head. I always love that. <laughs> I love Tom Jones, but it's really funny. Tom Jones is freaking hilarious because he's funny in this episode. He's funny in Mars Attacks. Tom Jones has oh, a good yeah, sense of humor. He was in that movie, wasn't he? Yep. Uh, you know, uh, Burns offers this to Marge, and Marge says that she's married. You have a husband? Yes, I can picture him now. Rugged good looks, sweater knotted around his shoulders, curly locks shining in the sun like spun gold. <laughs> Which is nothing like birds, but I love that Marge in this like imagination that uh, or this you know kind of like scene in in uh, Burns's head that he's imagined. Uh, you know, Marge is like, "Mr. Burns gave me another promotion." He's like, "Ha ha ha! That's see, my old fool." <laughs> he's so pompous, and so Burns fires Marge, and Marge is like, "You can't fire me because I'm married. I'm gonna sue the pants off you." Which is, I realize they said that to get Burns into this next line, but that's kind of a weird line for Marge to say. It's a weird line for Marge to say, but I love Burns' line. You don't hate Burns' line. Yes. You don't have to sue me to get my pants off. And Marge is like, ugh, gross. Gross. Over at the school, though, we have Bart, who's about to be finished off by a friggin' Timberwolf. And then Willie comes out. Hey, Wolfie, drop that hors d'oeuvre. It's time for the main course. Rips his shirt off, dives across, the, attacks the wolf, and he's like, nothing to see here, boy. Back to class with ya. And so Bart goes in, 
ripped up clothing, ripped up paper. And Kropopo's like, how do you explain yourself, young man? And he's like, there was no wolf. I'm a liar. I'm going to pass out, try to make sure I don't swallow my tongue. And Fump. yeah, and I love that Krabappel grabs the, like, you know, the 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 pointer and pokes, pokes at him. And she's like, oh boy. And I, uh, uh, you know, Bart gets taken out of school with Grandpa. And he's like, we got to rub some garlic on you before the next full moon. And uh, Willie says something like, oh, don't feel bad. I've been wrestling wolves uh, while you had your mother's teeth. Which is impossible. The last Scottish wolf was killed in 1680 and to this day have not been reintroduced to uh, Scotland. Huh. Mm-hmm. Unless Willie... Did it in America. Yeah, spent some time in America. But even then, uh, um, uh, I, wolves were not annihilated completely, but like in kind of like continental U.S., I mean, they were super rare, if not almost gone, until they were reintroduced in the mid-90s, I think. Not what I'm going off memory on. I um, had to call the police about a wolf, actually, very recently. What, really? Yeah, there was a wolf in the area over by where I work. Oh. And a person told me about it and had to call the police and be like, hey, um, yeah, this is the non-emergency like line, but just heads up, there's a wolf over at these crossroads, and yeah. It wasn't like a big coyote? It was a wolf. Crazy. Yeah. I mean, we live in Michigan. Wolves do come down here in the winter. Yeah, I suppose. It's just they're, they're not very us- common. They're usually hunting things that have too slow to go away. Like old people? Yes. <laughs> Non-snowbirds. They're just burying. Knock, knock, knock. <laughs> yes. Oh, good heavens. Oh, good heavens. <laughs> Grandma, is that you? <laughs> and that's the story of Little Red Riding Hood. Wow. Uh, anywho. Uh, Burns is getting a lot of delight in watching Marge clear out her desk. And so over at the mall, though, next to the yogurt nook, we have I can't believe it's not a law firm. And Marge has a case. Uh, it's a sexual harassment suit. And, uh, 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 you know, Lionel Hutz is going to take it. Yeah. Uh, so Lionel Hutz, Marge and Homer go to Mr. Burns' office. And Lionel Hutz says, you know, there's evidence, witnesses, and a paper trail a mile long. But Burns has 10 high-priced lawyers that he, like, almost activates. Like, he presses a button and a door opens in his office, and the 10 lawyers are just standing there. So when you do have a big company like that, you do have a company lawyer on, like, the premise. Oh, sure, but not just standing behind, like, a closed door waiting for your boss to press a button and open it. No, but I'm sure they were waiting there because they knew that this lawyer was coming in to talk to them. They had to make an appointment for this. That's probably the case, yeah. Uh, So Lionel Hutt shrieks, runs out, and Homer's like, hey, he left his, his briefcase. And when he opens it, he's like, it's filled with shredded newspaper. I love Lionel Hutz. And, as always... R.I.P. Phil Hartman. So Burns has won. And Marge says, Homer, let's go before he fires you too. People like us can't afford justice. And Homer says, no. He's like, you're going to apologize to my wife for what you did to her. And Burns... Burns shows that he's got a heart for Marge in this scene. 
a little bit. Yeah, he says you really love her, don't you? And which is such a a very television thing to say. Nobody says that shit in real life. You love her too. But Homer Damn says, right, <laughs> indeed. And uh, Burns says, you know, I'd like to you for you to show this woman the time of her life. And uh, in any other episode, this would have been my quote for the episode. But there's one that makes me laugh so much harder. He goes, all right, Marge, we're getting some drive through and we're doing it twice. And Burns has a different idea. And so we hear Tom Jones singing. It's not unusual. Uh, earlier was uh, what's new pussycat while, you know, uh, they were uh, having everyone with their fancy hats and stuff. But uh, yeah, we have uh, which I never realized until this watch through. Did you see Smithers? No, I did not. Smithers is standing there, and he's in like kind of what looks to be like a, a waiter, mater d kind of uh, outfit, but he's holding a pistol. <laughs> Smithers is the best. When you go back to this episode next, watch Smithers. He's holding a pistol. When I go back to this episode next, hell with that. You're going to show me it after we're done recording this. That's fair. So... Tom Jones is chained to the this like stage while they're playing music, and uh, as he leans in to Marge, he's like, uh, he kisses her on the cheek, and he's like, "Get help, love. Call Interpol. Get me a hacksaw. Anything." And this is a really fun ending to The Simpsons. It's playing. It's not unusual. Fireworks go off, and uh, it's one of the rare times we have a different song for the ending. Yeah, it is. It's weird that it's a studio version. I always hate when they use studio versions of songs and not. A live version, since they have the person in there. Yeah, but it probably would have costed more. It's a contract thing, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Either he couldn't do it contractually, or they would have had to spend way more money. Uh, but yeah, Sean, what uh, what do you think of the lasting impact is? Because I have a big one. It's the first time Burns falls in love, and not the last. With a Bouvier. With a Bouvier, oddly enough. Yeah. yeah. I have to go with it's the first time March gets a job outside of the house. I beg your pardon second what was her other job roller skating around at that uh burger joint when uh yeah, homer's odyssey flashback oh no no yeah you're right homer's odyssey yeah homer's odyssey oh yeah she gets her job back there i blocked that out yeah well understandably so it's arguably the worst episode of the series screw you no disgrace like home <sighs> let's just agree to disagree they're both garbage <laughs> Fair. And if you like them, we don't like you. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sean, what is your favorite quote of the episode? So it's when Burns shows up with orchids and fragrant bath oils for his employees. Yeah. And Mark says, gee, this makes me wonder why morale's so low. And it cuts to the guy crying. <laughs> and it cuts to the crazy guy stroking a gun, just saying, I am the angel of death. The time of purification is at hand. <laughs> So creepy. And then he later gets up with that gun and goes to shoot up the place. <laughs> that shouldn't be funny because we just had a shooting at a beer plant. But it's fucking hilarious to me every time. He's shooting up the plant. Well, he's shooting up the plant, but he also is clearly not doing a great job of it because everyone's alive and he's then whining about not getting donuts. Like, I like this scene so much that every time you ask me how work was going when I worked with you, mm -hmm. I would always respond with, I am the angel <laughs> of death. The time for purification is at hand. Uh, that is true. I, uh, for those who don't know, Sean and I worked together at a grocery store for quite a while. And uh, I think every time I was like, hey, Sean, what's up? He would respond <laughs> with that he was the angel of death. Uh, 
the uh, the time of purification was at hand. God, I love that scene so much. So what's your favorite quote, Craig? My favorite quote is the conversation that Marge and Lionel Hutz have in his office. And she says, so you think I have a case? Mrs. Simpson, you're in luck. Your sexual harassment suit is just the thing I need to rebuild my shattered practice. Care to join me in a belt of scotch? It's 9.30 in the morning. Yeah, but I haven't slept in days. Last chance. Oh, yeah.